eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Thinking of buying a house and want a really low interest rate? Owning has a special for home purchases, where owning pays all your closing costs and the rate in APR is an unheard of 1.875% for a 15-year fixed mortgage with 20% down. This is the craziest low rate for a mortgage with no closing costs that owning has ever done. 1.875% rate in APR. Heck, we're almost paying you to live in a new house. Call 8332-OWNING or go to owning.com to see if you qualify for this crazy low 1.875% rate. That's a fixed rate loan at 1.875% with no closing costs. Call 8332-OWNING now because 1.875 could go away at any time. NMLS 2611, licensed by the Department of Financial Protection and Innovation under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act, subject to credit approval. Offer assumes the use of lender's choice escrow and title services. Call 833-858-8006 for terms and conditions. That's 8332-OWNING or owning.com. 8332-OWNING or owning.com. Hi, I'm John Meacham, the host of Cadence 13's new podcast, Fate of Fact, on how America and its political parties got to where we are today. Available now on Odyssey, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. The Five Star Zone with Rico Beard. And it is another holiday edition of the Five Star Zone. Rico Beard, Evan Jenkins on the other side. Get ready to bring in a new year. But Evan, oh, you know what? I think Michigan State is anxious for a new year to start. Well, Michigan State basketball, that is. My goodness. Taking a beating once the Big Ten started. They've lost three straight games. They look like a rudderless ship. There's so many questions, so many things going on with this team. Thank God we got a podcast to kind of hammer it out. Michigan basketball, we'll talk about them, but it doesn't seem like they played in the last month. It, it, it is <laughs> odd, right, that they haven't been out there. I keep looking, but it's tomorrow night, Thursday, that they play. So, yeah, it's like, well, does Michigan basketball even play? But it seems like Michigan State is on TV and Michigan State is disappointing. It started with what we thought was an upset to Northwestern. But we later found out that Northwestern is pretty damn good. Northwestern basketball, probably the biggest shocking team in the Big Ten. And and I don't know, man. Maybe, you know, maybe Jamie Samuelson is smiling down upon the Wildcats because I think this year for the first time ever, 
the football, basketball, and women's basketball all ranked in the top 25 in Northwestern's history. But, yeah, for Michigan State hoops, it has been a downward spiral. They were 6-0. and Now they're sitting at 6-3, and probably falling out of the top 25. Two weeks ago, they had the opportunity to become the number three team in the land. Two weeks later, they're unranked. And honestly, I don't think they deserve to be ranked. Now, a lot's going to happen when they play Nebraska at Nebraska on January 2nd. But going in back, looking at this, their last win was over Oakland. They they got beat by Northwestern. They turned the ball over like a million times. And then Christmas Day, they got beat in a good game. It was if you had no dog in the fight, Evan, it was a fun game to watch. Absolutely. They played Wisconsin at the Breslin Center. They lost 85-76. to 76, Turned the ball over, I'm going to say 13 times because the last one was in the last minute. Didn't really count. But then they went to Minnesota in a game that I thought, okay, there's no way this team can fall to 0-3 in the Big Ten. Oh, they found a way to fall to 0-3 in the Big Ten. At halftime, they scored a total of 16 points collectively it's bad it's bad because right now you got your top scores all in a slump from joey hauser to rocket watts to josh langford to aaron henry none of those guys are really going out there and contributing you're getting points but you're getting points from unexpected places yeah as much as you want to talk about them foster lawyer he's stepping up and doing what he can do because people are like i don't understand why foster lawyer plays because at least you know what you get. Foster Lawyer is like going to McDonald's. You know what you're going to get. Is it the most nutritious meal? No, but you know he's gonna what he's going to bring to the table. Thomas Kithier is the same way. You know what you're going to get. Kithier is actually the effort guy oh, on yeah. the team. Because people get angry. Well, he shouldn't be playing. Who's going to play? Marcus Bingham's giving you nothing. He's not getting your rebounds. At least Kithier is crashing the boards as hard as he can, and he is playing hard. Kithier. And- Evan, you just named it. He plays hard. He has passion. Other than that, I don't see much on this team. Uh, You know, uh, Julius Marble is trying to get there, but he's inconsistent. Maddie Sissoko, I mean, Izzo's put in the true freshman, Maddie Sissoko, and hoping that he could get something. But Maddie is so raw that the game is still coming to him that down low, they don't have anything. And that's going to be a problem in the Big Ten this year because – Unfortunately, a lot of teams got big men, and Michigan State doesn't. Michigan State is a jump-shooting team, folks, and you're looking at what happens when your jump shots don't fall. You lose three straight Big Ten games. Now, the most telling stat of all, and I think this is one of the problems that they have, Rocket Watts and Josh Lankford. Hmm. And I got to give credit to – to Brendan Quinn, because he came up with this stat in his story on The Athletic. In the three games they've lost, Evan, do you know what though, how many free throws those two have made in those three games? I, I actually do, but I'll let you tell the audience. Yeah, they're zero for zero. Yeah, they've taken as many they've as yet, we have. Yeah, they've yet to get to the free throw line. That's a problem. Now, Rocket Watts wanted to be off the point guard spot, and Izzo said, okay, he let Foster Lawyer do it. But Rocket Watts has speed. Josh Lankford has ability. They should be driving to the lane, worst-case scenario, collecting fouls, 
best case scenario, getting an and one and making the three points the old-fashioned way. They're not driving. They're settling for jump shots, and the shots aren't falling, and they just keep settling. You shouldn't have three consecutive games that neither one of those guys have made it to the free throw line. It's a jump shot shooting team. Joey Hauser is the only one that has double-digit free throw attempts in three games. This is the Michigan State's problem. It's like they feel if all they can shoot is three-pointers and they're going to – the phrase live by the three, die by the three, Evan, they're dying a slow, painful death that the fans are watching. Guys, take the ball in, go down low, do something else. But you're getting nothing but a bunch of shots. I mean, they shot 17% from the field in the first half of that game. 16 points. Now, in the second half, at least they went back to looking like Michigan State scoring 40 points, but 16 points, you're not winning anything that way. No, you're not, and they're also awful at guarding the other team's guards. They're every team. Oh, I haven't gotten to that yet, Okay, you're right, yes. They're just getting. No, 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 we can go there. They're, no, they're, they're awful out there. That. You're correct. Doing what they want, and if there was one thing that Rocket Watts always had going for him, was his defense. That's why he was able to be out there and take the shots that he was taking because Izzo wasn't going to pull him because he knew he was safe on the other side. He's getting killed on ball screens right now, which is odd because as a freshman he was pretty good at those, but there's no rotation. You're you're absolutely right on offense when you, when you think about it, right? So maybe Joshua Langford's still a little timid with the injuries he's had, right? Against Minnesota, he took it a little against Robbins, who – most unathletic big man to dominate a team I've ever seen in my life, but he changed that game completely. And when they try to go inside, you shouldn't let a skinny kid like that dictate how you're going to play the game. And Tom Izzo and his teams, when they've been successful, they've been successful because they get out and run. You don't run. Michigan state doesn't win. Right. Isn't that how it's always been? And so if you're going to try to run your sets, your sets are great when you've ran on them, right, and you've run those plays. But when you're running the same sets over and over, the teams know it's coming. And Aaron Henry, he's not asserting himself. You know, he actually came off the bench, right, to start the last game. And you would think that would fire but See, I don't up. think that's – Evan, Evan, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think Henry needs to come off the bench. Not that it's a discipline thing, not he's being punished. I think when he comes off the bench, he plays looser. Okay. He can let the flow of the game come to him. So I, I'm not saying this because he sucks and this should be a demotion. I'm saying I think it's better that he comes off the bench because he's a better player when he can watch the speed and the flow of the game and he can just kind of get in there and he's a better player. Some guys just flourish that way. I mean, that's how Mo Pete started. He could have started in the Big Ten, but he was better off the bench. Well, I mean, I think Lou Williams in the Henry NBA. Too. I mean, he says, I don't care. I don't need to start. Let somebody else do that. But, okay, so if you're, right. if that's the way it's going to go with him, yeah, I mean, this is the way he's been since he was a freshman, right? He was hit or miss. But last year he was a little bit more consistent on his bad nights, right, on his off nights where he isn't. He's, he's a stat sheet guy. You know, he's going to get you six boards, five assists, and hopefully 13 points, right? But right now, he's not getting anything. And when he's settling for jump shots, that's a big-time struggle because Aaron Henry is so good at getting into the lane and using his left and his right. 
I don't know about you, but this year I feel like he's not going to his right as much as he used to. And I feel like that's where he got defenders to slip up because they thought he was so uh, dominant with his left hand that when he would come back to his right, it would open everything else up. And then when you talk about the big men, (laughs) let's start there, okay? Because... Thomas Kithier is a Macomb County five. That's what I say is a Macomb County five. Six foot seven, six foot eight. You're gonna be the biggest kid out there. When you get to college, six foot seven, six foot eight is what? An elite small forward most of the time? Or a bench riding power forward. Thomas Kithier is your best option down low, only in a matter of rebounding, hustle, and defending. Marcus Bingham, I don't know what's going on with him, because there's flashes, and then there's other times where he looks lost. I don't and think Bingham takes the game. Honestly, Evan, I don't think that Bingham takes the game seriously. He's it's got a, a game ton to of him. talent. Right. He's got a ton of talent. But he has, has yet to hit that switch where this is a business and this is a business decision. You're in the stage right now where you should be considered a pro prospect. Yeah. With He's that so frame and everything and, and his right. ability to step out and shoot the ball because he can fill it up, like flat out the kid can shoot, right? And and he can change the game inside just like Robbins on Minnesota did by being that long, lanky defender that you don't expect him to block your shot and his arms are so long that you're like, oh, okay. But it's just everything is out of whack. And I am one to never question Tom Izzo because he'll know more about basketball, right, wrong, indifferent, than I will ever know. I feel like he's still kind of feeling out his team. Like, unsure. Like, Foster Lawyer is the most consistent player they have right now. That's crazy, right? He shouldn't be the most consistent player. But, you know, he's an upperclassman, and and the mistakes he's going to make is – mistakes because he's not as athletic as the guy that's guarding him. You know what I mean? He's not there's not a lot of unforced turnovers with him. So Right, that's why I said he's cons- you know, he's McDonald's. Yeah, yeah, it ain't a great meal, but you know when you pull in there a Big Mac's a Big Mac. Yeah, you're going to get hot fries and they're going to yeah, right. exactly. So, I mean, there's a lot a lot there and then when AJ Hogard is your best guard, that's also a big problem. See, I don't think it's a big problem. I think that's actually maybe part of the solution. It may be time that uh, A.J. Hogart becomes the point guard for the rest of the year. I mean, he can play. Rocket wants out of the point guard spot. He wants to go over to the two guard. He realizes, you know what, maybe it's just too much being the point. I think Rocket saw the life that Cassius led and thought that he could live that same life, and he's seeing that life ain't as easy as he thought it was. Cassius just made it look really easy. Rocket coming at the, at the two spot, I think, is more beneficial. He can come off the ball, come off of ball screens, and maybe get back to driving to the basket. Also, man, he's got to play some defense because, good God, when you look at the last six games, the They're guard all scoring 25, is, man. Going back to UAD, Antoine Davis, 24 points. Uh, Artist White for Western Michigan, 19 points. Rashad Williams for OU, 36 points. What about Bowie? Boo Bowie, Northwestern, mm-hmm. 30 points. Demetric Trice, Wisconsin, 29 points. Marcus Carr, Minnesota, 19 points. The guard spot is giving up the leading score in the last six games. Rocket was the lockdown defender. Your shots may not fall, but defense is effort. You could always give effort. You'll go through slumps, 
but you could never go through a slump on defense because that's effort. If you're if you're slumping on defense, that means you're not trying as hard. And I think, honestly, my opinion, he's got a foot in the NBA right now, and he's using every game as an NBA audition rather than just playing his game. And I think Langford is using every game saying, I hope this isn't the game I get re-injured. Yep. And he's overthinking this instead of letting the game come to him. I go back to A.J. Hoggard. I think Hogart, I think A.J. is the guy. You got nothing to lose. He, foster lawyer is going to take you so far. It's going to be A.J.'s spot anyway. This kind of reminds me, and I'm not saying he's going to be Cassius, but it reminds me of Cassius' freshman year when they finally told uh, Tum Tum, yeah, that's it. We're going to go ahead and we're going to sit you down, and this guy's going to take over. We think he's going to be the point guard of the future. You might as well start today. Now, that team, Miles Bridges and all of them, when they first got there, we all think that they were this great team. They weren't. No. They weren't a great team at all. I think they were a nine seed in the NCAA tournament, which roughly means you're a little bit over 500. That was the Michigan State Spartans that year. But you grew. You got better. This team, unlike last year, is not built for a championship. And if that's the case, let Hoger come in there. Let him take over that point, point guard spot. Let Foster Lawyer tutor him. Let Foster come in and spell him. And then you rotate all your other guys. You don't have a true big man. You got a ton of wings, which is great if you're Buffalo Wild Wings, but <laughs> yeah, not if you're a team. So this way, maybe you can rotate in. You're going to have to play small ball, but at least you know you have a, a good point guard. Maybe taking Rockets' responsibilities, you can get him back in. They're going through a slump. Now, for Spartan fans sitting there saying, this is it, it's over, history says you're <clears throat> when they lose – Two, the first two games of the Big Ten season, history has shown that they end up losing in the first weekend of the tournament. But this is 2020, so I don't know if this even counts because Kentucky blows right now. Duke is struggling. Now they're sitting at 0-3. They have had three-game losing streaks in the Big Ten before. They've had times where they've lost four or five in the Big Ten. We just forget about it. You know when the last time they had lost four or five games in the Big Ten, Evan? I know last year they lost three in a row, right? Last year. Yeah. In the final two weeks, they won three games. I think they won three or four games in a row. They ended up tied for the Big Ten. Yeah, because everybody was down on them, and they gave up the Big Ten lead. That's right. Yep. And right before that, they had lost three in a row, including uh, losing to – who did they lose to? Uh, Maryland. The 2000 team was there. The championship team was there. They had the 2000 uniforms on. They yep. lost to Maryland while game day was there. And it was an embarrassing loss. Izzo was pissed. I say that to say they've done this before and they bounced back. And Michigan was in Our, that losing streak too, I believe. I think Michigan got a win on them as well. And so, so Rico, I do have one question for you about Rocket Watts. And, and it's just I've been waiting for this one. I haven't asked you personally because I wanted to hear your answer here. Because you know Tom Izzo better than the average Joe. And when I watch Rocket Watts' game, it's everything that's against what I believe Tom Izzo stands for in an offensive perspective. And what I mean by this and what the question is leading to, 
is why the hell is he shooting so many floaters? That's Rockets game. It is, and I don't but think, not it, every And shot. I don't think it's a it, – because it's one of those things. Like, Cassius had a weird-looking jump shot. But right. if it falls, I don't care. Rocket, when the floater f- falls, it's great. Because a lot of – when the floater is going, he makes the shot and he gets fouled. It's just right now his stuff is off. Like, everybody has different things. So you're saying Izzo has no problem with the floater and everything like that? No. Okay. No. He has no – because he knows that this shot can fall, and that's part of his repertoire. Okay. That's all I I was wondering. Because, I mean, you know any other player in his past shoots that shot, they're usually yanked, right? And so that's the only reason why I was asking that question. It's it's, if all of a sudden, you know – Let's say Marcus Bingham started doing the sky hook. Okay. If the sky hook works for you, like John Beeline didn't care when Xavier Simpson was shooting the sky hook. It was it falling. Yep. Okay. Whatever. If you shoot free throws underhanded Rick Barry style, whatever. <laughs> Did they go in? Don't care. So I don't think he cares about that style. I think he does care about just the the lack of defense that he's playing and just even just the body language. Well, like, yeah, and, Rocket and, has to pick it up. And good, and defense. I'm not gonna, and I'm not blaming Rocket for everything that's going wrong. If you're no. listening to this, this is a collectively the team has to do better. But when you're the star on a team, eyes are on you, right? And I still consider yeah. him the star of this team. Looking at how he ended it last year, you know that Rocket Watts was a kid that you were like, yes, he is the future of Michigan State basketball. And those, those, what, that final game against Ohio State, I think he had 20-something right. points, and he was pulling up and, and well, doing it all. That's why I think Hogart is, is going to be the difference maker because now everybody can kind of go back to playing their positions instead of playing out of alignment. And look, if, if A.J. Hogart can just get the ball up the court and just give you six to eight points a game but make the opponent respect him and respect his shot enough, now you're going to open up everything because, let's face it, when Foster's in the game, most guys don't respect him until he hits a couple of shots, but then they look at him on defense, and the first thing they want to do is post him up because they know defensively he's a liability because of his height. Yep. There's a lot of things. Is it over? I'm not going to say it's over. I wrote, I, I wrote myself a note some 12 years ago when Michigan State was doing one of these things, and – I re- and I was like, you know what? Earlier this year, I bailed on this team. I thought the game had passed Izzo by. And I said, never, ever doubt Tom Izzo. He'll find a way to win. And he'll make you look stupid. Don't ever have this type of take again. And every time they go through this, and they've gone through this many a year, including last year. And I remember people saying, after they lost to Maryland and they lost their lead in the Big Ten, ah, this team is over. This team is done. Ah. Yeah, it's, oh, I'm like, guys, if I've learned one thing, don't count out Michigan State. Don't count out Izzo. They turned it around so much so they were the hottest team before COVID took away college basketball. Michigan State would have probably been a two seed, but they would have been a feared two seed that nobody would have wanted to play. And they were probably – Vegas would have had them odds-on favorite or one of the favorites to win the tournament. In the years past, the year that they beat Duke in the tournament, they had a three-game losing streak, and one of those games flat-out embarrassed by Purdue. I don't know if you remember that game. Oh, but do was, I ever. 
They, it was very similar where I think at halftime they had 19 points at halftime. It was horrible. And they found a way to come back. They knock off Zion, R.J. Barrett, Cam Reddish, and Duke. It's going to sound like, oh, you're just being a Spartan slappy. No, guys, this is just history. This is what history says. There's a reason why they call him Mr. March. And I know that ticks off Wolverine fan who is listening right now, who is cursing your headset saying, oh, there you go. Tell me how I'm wrong. Tell me how he doesn't turn this around. Tell me how he always finds a way to pull out miracles in March. That's just what he does. And until he does differently, it's hard to say it's not going to happen again. Yeah, because but, he built that respect over 20-some-odd years and getting to the tournament every single year, unless there's but you know, I will say a virus. This. <laughs> I will say this. <laughs> Nebraska has become a must-win game for Michigan State. They're kind of like Indiana with football, aren't they? That They're starting to come around, and they're starting to be a force out there. Who, Nebraska? Yeah. Over the last no, few I th- years, I feel like they've – They've stepped up, like with recruits. They've and- stepped up because they've done. The, they've gone the whole transfer. Okay. In, in Nebraska is Rutgers football. Rutgers under Greg Schiano is going to bring kind of like what Mel Tucker's doing. Going to bring in a ton of uh, transfers to instantly jumpstart his team. I would say Nebraska basketball. T- yeah, they, they, yeah, it's like Rutgers. Now Northwestern. Basketball is more like Indiana. Like, whoa, where'd this There's come something from? else, aren't they? Like, yeah. That's just a well They lost a heartbreaker to Iowa last night. Well, yeah, well, but. But that's that's the Big Ten, and it's always the, been the Big Ten, that there's going to be and that's great what I'm gonna teams say. from one all the way to the bottom, except for maybe the bottom two. They're usually pretty stacked, and every game is tough. You're looking at probably 10 teams from the Big Ten setting a record going to the tournament. Michigan State, unfortunately, is at the bottom right now yeah. looking up. But there's no gimme games. I mean, You got at Nebraska. Then you get uh, 14th-ranked uh, Rutgers coming in. Then you got Purdue. Then you got to go to Iowa. Then you got Indiana. Then you got Illinois. Then you're at Rutgers. Then you got Ohio State. Like, th- there's no. There used to be, when you played a Big Ten schedule, there was about four or five teams that you already knew. So long as we don't crap the bed, we got an easy victory. Not this year. Every night is a grind. MSU losing. I mean, if I'm Izzo, you're probably looking at if best case, 12 and 8 out of the 20 game season, barring if you play all the games. Now, if there's some COVID, you know, cancellations or whatnot, you won't. But if they play every game, Evan. If you're Izzo, just try to get to 12-8, and eight, along with the 6-0 and start that you had, plus you got the victory over Duke as the feather in your cap, you'll be okay. Yeah. But and if they keep losing, <laughs> we may be talking about a bubble team. And people are like, what? Like, they're, the next three games are going to let me know whether I could tear up that sheet of paper I got and if this is going to become a bubble team. Yeah, it's going to be real, real intriguing, too, because the teams that are coming up are the teams with the dominant bigs in the Big Ten. And we talked about it earlier, Garden, and, you know, Purdue has a kid, and Edie, is it, I believe that's how you say his last name, who's seven foot three, 
and can play basketball. He's not just out there as a Tommy Herzog, right? He's out there and he's contributing. And then you look at Iowa, we all know what Luca Garza can do. That kid every night is putting up 30 with just drop steps and hook shots, right? And guess what? He's going to have 25 shots that game, and who's going to stop him? You know Tillman was going to body him up last year, so you weren't worried about it, right? You're, you're going to throw Bingham at him. You're going to throw Maddie at him. You're going to throw Kithier at him. Hauser might get him a little bit. But that's that's where the toughness is going to be. And if there's a time that the guards step it up on defense, whether it's one guard, all of them, that's the time they need to step it up because they're going to lack in the bigs. You know, you can't let those bigs beat you. Don't let the guards beat you when it's those games, you know? Yeah, um, dude, it's, it's, it's going to be a scary proposition. If Michigan State basketball can't get out of its slump, you pick the wrong gear to struggle in the Big Ten. And they're going to be holding on and trumpeting that Duke victory more and more as the season goes if they can't get wins. I mean, Travion Williams for Purdue, a guy who wanted to come to Michigan State. Yeah, he's going to have his way down low with the Boilermaker. No, I forgot about him. He's a tank down there. Yeah, he lost weight. Oh. <laughs> they had the choice between Travion and Marcus Bingham. He tore him up last year. Didn't he score 20 on him mm-hmm. last year? Oh, my goodness. He did. Man. He did. Yeah, that's – I mean, but, I mean, every team, you look at Illinois, they can they can score 100 on any team at any given night. Kofi Coburn. You know, yeah. Indiana, they're always going to compete, always, no matter – I mean, now – Here's the thing. It, Rutgers and Penn State, Nebraska used to be the get-right games. Exactly. Okay. And, and, and some years it was Michigan and Minnesota, like, okay, Northwestern. Those teams, you play them so long as you play your game. You only had to really get ready for five teams. Yeah, Ohio teams State, Wisconsin, team. Purdue, and, you know, Michigan, Michigan Iowa. State. And then, I mean, let's yeah. not even start, you know, uh, them going against Michigan, Hunter Dickinson will, will crush them. Here's the only good thing about that. They're over a month away from going against Michigan. Yeah. So a lot can change. Maybe some people step up their games. You never know who's going to be injured. Who's going to be around? We'll see. Boy, did you but, call it with that Shondi Brown with Michigan? That kid is a leader out there, huh? I try to tell he people, is, you don't know Michigan stuff. Guys, I know sports. I know things. I mean, dude. that kid, he wants the ball. He wants to guard their best player. He mm-hmm. Now, I know Isaiah Livers is Michael Jordan in Ann Arbor, but he's the best player on that team right now. He's everything. I mean, for a transfer uh, w- to come in like that, that's something else. I would probably say Hunter Dickinson is probably the best player. I just don't think Jawan is using him right. I think Hunter Dickinson could – I would, if he has the stamina, I would feed him the ball at least 30 times a game. He is a very, very talented post player, and the best part about his post game is his passing. He finds yeah. the open man because the moment – being seven foot in the Big Ten, you have your advantages because you're only going to face what two other guys that are seven foot or even six foot ten. So you have your advantage, and and you can dictate a game by having that advantage, right? And you're and you're absolutely correct in the fact that he might not jump more than two inches, but he's going to dominate the floor. And as a freshman, to have all of those senses and not see the game. 
like go too fast for him, it's really, really impressive because you heard a lot of great stuff about him. You heard last year when he went up against the nation's best player, I forget who it was. Was it Cunningham that's out at Oklahoma State? And he just mm-hmm. dominated. Yeah. And I was like, okay, we'll see. Sometimes high school teams, you know, a little, there might be one star kid. And then, you you know, you're on an AAU team type deal where all five are going D1. But he's the truth. And he's like, that's a huge get for Jawan. And I think that's only going to help them down the road. No, it is. And, and by the way, uh, before we wrap this up, uh, Michigan State fans, Jay Nakins, well, he's got kicked off of the Ypsilanti prep team, found his way to Sunrise Academy. If that name sounds familiar, it's the home of Tum Tum Naren. It's the home of Malik Hall. And now Jay Nakins will be headed out there playing alongside of uh, Chandler Kennedy, uh, the point guard headed to Tennessee. So he found a home. As a matter of fact, he's there already. He's enrolled, and he'll start playing immediately. So happy to see that he found another team. That was just a debacle. Um, yeah, I'll just leave that. At the, it was, that was a debacle that was handed, handled poorly by the adults in the room. They should have did a better job. It never should have gotten this far. But Michigan State incoming uh, commit, Jay Nakins, headed out to Sunrise Academy, and he will be playing immediately. So got a feeling – Tum Tum probably picked up the phone, had a lot to do with that. Yeah, so and he's also going to be a kid that's going to play immediately for Michigan State or whatever college or team you know he what? chooses Here's the to thing. go to. It, and this is why if you're A.J. Hogart, this is your chance. Yep. He's not here yet. Go out there, show what you got. Because that kid can straight fill it up, and he's not afraid to shoot the basketball at all. From what if, I've if seen. If you're A.J., you, you make the job hard for him. And he's a big and guard, you know too. AJ is, and and that's that's right. a big advantage to have. I mean, how t- is he six four or so? I, I haven't seen him yeah. in person to really buy, to size him up like that. But I think, yeah, I think he's I think he's six three, six four. He's yeah. a big kid out there, and that that's a big advantage in the Big Ten too, because you don't see a lot of big guards in the Big Ten. So that that's that's big advantage for him. And it, you know what? And every time that he gets to play, he's played a little bit better. So I like the comparison that you made with Cassius, because Cassius as as a freshman and even in the tournament, you know was hitting some big shots from Michigan State, and and you saw the confidence rising in a young man like that, and that's huge. Yes, and Cassius also did dumb things. We like to glamorize, and we only remember the the finished, polished product. Well, but yeah, Cassius I mean, and, and that's with year. Draymond and yeah, Denzel, we, yeah. all of them. They all struggled as freshmen, and, and you were like, get this kid out of the game, and then by the time they were senior – Player of the year candidate, you know what I mean? So it, it, right, so yeah, people are like, well, Cash has always been good. No, 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 he wasn't. There were people screaming he, that he shouldn't be the starting point guard. Not athletic he's too enough. Slow. He can't guard he's out anybody. Of shape. Yep. Yeah, he can't guard. He can't create his own shot. And by the end, he was creating his own shot. He was defending very well. He led that team like what only Mateen has. You know what I mean? And yeah. and. And he did that all through tragedy that not many can ever relate with, and you know, and excelled in as he made the best out of an awful situation. And I think it made him a better person and a better man. And and it was unbelievable to see it. And like you said, but as a freshman, you were like, "There's no way he's going to become the kid that he was as a senior." Right. So, uh, and before we go. Uh... <laughs> 
Looks like right, the uh, let me make sure I get the name right here because I've been butchering this thing for a while. But Michigan State football, well, Michigan State, Michigan football, we're still in the dark, folks. So yeah, there's I mean, really nothing to say. Don Brown looks like he's going to be the D coordinator at Arizona. Don't know how this man keeps getting a job. I just well, that, and that in the Pac-12. What is there? Fast receivers, right? What does he struggle yeah. against? Fast on the outside. So we'll see. I guess but what Jeff helps Fish him is bringing that, the boys back, huh? Yeah, I guess what helps is that they don't really play any defense in the Pac-12. So it's not like, not like you're gonna really hurt yourself. It's like going to the Big Twelve. Uh, still waiting to see what's gonna happen with Harbaugh. Don't know. It's crazy. Um, but uh. The Gaiote brothers. Looks like uh, Palale Gaiote, who played for USC, didn't think that Michigan State was going to be on the radar, but looks like he may end up coming to play with his brother at Michigan State. It's not done yet. We got to wait and see. Mel Tucker and his boys have been hitting the uh, transfer portal hard. Plus, uh, his little brother, Ma, I'm quite sure, was in his ear throughout the entire holiday. Looks like that may be starting to pay off. He was going to go someplace else. Now it's looking like Michigan State could possibly be the recipient and and get the uh, USC transfer. Yep. Not final yet, but just some, some, some words that are starting to come out. So. And for anybody that doesn't know, Big-time recruit when he went to USC. I believe he was a five-star linebacker, one of the best in the nation. So, I mean, the talent yeah. was there. And, obviously, we've seen with USC, they're not the USC that we remember, right? They're not the USC that's putting Reggie Bush and Matt Leinart and every great wide receiver out there anymore. So, it's a different team, so, and yeah. they haven't used the players like they have. But, Rico, since we are in bowl season, what was your favorite bowl game that you remember watching? Oh, favorite bowl game I remember watching? Yep. Oh, that's that's easy. I know people are like, you Rose Bowl. No, it was the Fiesta Bowl, Oklahoma, Boise State. Oh, so good. So good. Adrian Peterson came back from that injury, ran for like 200 yards, I feel. He was unstoppable, and it was just yes. back and forth. And Oklahoma, I mean, Boise State wins off the Statue of Liberty play. It was so good. <laughs> it was my favorite. I have bias, obviously, but that Cotton Bowl between Baylor and Michigan State is one of the best games I've ever seen. And just the way it finished with that that punter getting laid out, and it, it was just an exciting game. And as a Michigan State fan, usually they don't come back from deficits like that, and they did, and and it, no. it was huge for D'Antonio and everything and what they did. And so that one will always stay in my mind. The Another one for me was Texas, USC, Vince oh, Young. And Reggie Bush. Yeah. Another I mean, game because back the game and forth. Went back and forth. Right. See, like the Michigan State-Baylor game was a great comeback. Yes. Because I remember putting on my coat thinking, well, you know what, they had a good season, good run. Oh, well, and then it was like – you're standing there at the door watching, and then the next thing you know, you're taking your coat off, and the next thing you know, you're back in your seat again watching the finale. The Rose Bowl game, 
I mean, for a state fan, it was fun, but it wasn't like it was filled with tons of excitement. Okay? No, it wasn't. Unless it was like defensive game. That was a Mark D'Antonio game. That was a punt was, all right, we got out of our way. You know what I mean? Right. If, <laughs> if you like offense, then right, you, you probably like Michigan State in the Holiday Bowl because they put up a bunch of points. But unfortunately, Washington State did nothing. But that Texas USC, because USC was already being crowned the greatest team of all time, and Texas upset them. And Vince Young, you know, fresh off of winning the Heisman, just showed that he was truly better than Reggie Bush and Matt Leinart, and he was the best player in the land. So, yeah, I, I would say probably those two bowl games really, really, really like those games. And and people need to go back. And if you get to see, I think it was the 2006 Rose Bowl and – the amount of people that are on that field, surrounding the field, like I don't think we'll ever get to see a scene like that again, but that touchdown that Vince Young scores and he goes to the right right side of the end mm-hmm. zone and all of those fans and, and I don't even know who's all on the field. I don't know if it, it's uh, alumni. I think Matthew McConaughey was on the field at that moment. Like it was just wild and it was a performance for the ages. And, you know, the year before – Vince Young in Texas beat Michigan, I believe. It might have been in the Rose Bowl. I don't even know what it was at. But to think that that game was impressive and then he went and topped it, and you might never see a better performance than you did in that night. Yeah. That was quite a night. So, um, Got anything else for me, Evan, before we let the people go? Um, when do you, you over-under, January 7th, Michigan will have named what they're doing with their head coach. I think we will. That's a two-parter. I think that at that point he will have signed an extension. I still don't. We got to wait to see what happens once all the firings happen in the NFL because I still think that the NFL is the way that they would love for this thing to end, and then it's a win-win for everybody. Yeah, it's a it's an easy end for everybody where nobody's hurting feelings, nobody's leaving on bad terms, and we'll see. But I think it's going to be over, and I think that they're in a position where they don't care what anybody thinks. They're going to do it their way, and you know, hopefully for Michigan fans, they do it the right way, and they get whatever it is that they've been looking for that they get it because when Michigan's good and the Big Ten is good, it's better for everybody. So they say. So they say. <laughs> I, I seem to remember a nice stretch where the Big Ten was really good and Michigan sucked. So, Well, yeah. I MSU mean. MSU went to the playoffs, went to the Rose Bowl, did a lot of things. There's only a few of my friends that are Michigan fans that I, that I hope they can turn it around because, I mean, what they did this year was as bad as what they've ever done with Brady Hoke or Rich Rod or anything. You know, it, it's actually funny. This is the last thing that I'll say. I was watching a clip from Pat McAfee talking about Rich Rod and how great of a coach he was. And he goes, the moment we heard that he was going to Michigan, we knew it wasn't going to work. Why? Because us at West Virginia, we had grit. We had to fight. We didn't have many other offers. Michigan, they had plenty of other offers. He goes, I knew from the moment he took that job, his freewheeling, having a good time, joking around wasn't going to work. And I thought that was very intriguing to hear. Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. All right, Evan, uh, happy new year to you. Happy new year to everybody out there listening. We will be back in 2021. 
Thanks for listening to the Five Star Zone. Thinking of buying a house and want a really low interest rate? Owning has a special for home purchases, where owning pays all your closing costs and the rate in APR is an unheard of 1.875% for a 15-year fixed mortgage with 20% down. This is the craziest low rate for a mortgage with no closing costs that owning has ever done. 1.875% rate in APR. Heck, we're almost paying you to live in a new house. Call 8332-OWNING or go to owning.com to see if you qualify for this crazy low 1.875% rate. That's a fixed rate loan at 1.875% with no closing costs. Call 8332-OWNING now because 1.875 could go away at any time. NMLS 2611, licensed by the Department of Financial Protection and Innovation under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act, subject to credit approval. Offer assumes the use of lender's choice as grow and title services. Call 833-858-80066 for terms and conditions. That's 8332-OWNING or owning.com. 8332-OWNING or owning.com. I'm John Meacham. Welcome to Fate of Fact, Season 1. This series is about how and why fact became a casualty of war in the United States. Please listen and follow Fate of Fact, a presentation of Shining City Audio, a John Meacham and C-13 original studio. Available now for free on Odyssey, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.